This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined with Jim Sevastio. We're going to jump right in here in just a minute. Before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and access all of our resources there. Uh, you should come stay with us at the Shepherd's House. We just launched five more locations, Jim, for the Shepherd's House. So if you want to come stay with us in Kentucky, you certainly can do that. But you now can come stay for two days, two nights for free. Got to get yourself there. But you or you and your wife can come stay a couple nights with us in uh, six different locations. Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, Montana, Texas, and soon will be Oxford, England. Mm -hmm. So uh, go check that out on the website. Uh, We also have a new book just released, Pastoral Perseverance. And you can pick that up as well uh, on the the website. You can see that. And let us know if there's any way we can be a help to you or serve you. Uh, You can go to the contact page and reach out to us. And we also love to hear... Uh, suggestions, topics for the podcast that you would like us to tackle, which is what we're going to do today, Jim. Uh, we've got a, a, a topic that was sent to us through social media, which is typically where we get a lot of these ideas. And uh, it's a, it's something that I've, I've watched through the years, certainly as I've, I live in a seminary, we live in a seminary town, and we have uh, seminary students try to go mm. get their first ministry job, and, and they have trouble finding one. So the topic we want to talk about today is what happens when someone wants to pursue an occupational pastoral position and they can't find one? Uh, a church will not hire them as, as, as far as for their job. Mm. So that's what we want to talk about. And certainly the person that wrote in and asked us about this is somebody who uh, has, has had gone to seminary, has spent years looking for a position. Sounds like they're a little bit older and that maybe has made it difficult to find a position. But we see this a lot here in a seminary town. A lot of guys mm-hmm. who say they feel called in the ministry pursue it, go get education and finish their education and all those things, and yet they have trouble finding a, a church position. So that's what we want to be able to talk about. How do you sort, how, how do you sort through that? Uh, maybe asking the question, you know, why they're not being hired? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the things they need to be aware of and considering? Are there things they're doing wrong that might help the situation? We want to tackle... A few of these things, but Jim, first, will you go to? Uh, let's just go to God's Word. What, where, where's kind of a guiding principle and passage we can look at around this? Yeah, Brian, I, there's several things that come to mind uh, as you're trying to think through this issue, and, and maybe some of this getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. You know, obviously, one is uh, the truths of a passage like Proverbs 16 and verse 9, where a man plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps, and yep. that's simply the yep reality that we have a, a God who sovereignly ordains uh, our days, and he has written all, all of them in his book before there's one of them, and uh, our plans and what he has revealed for us don't always match up, and, and it's a hard thing sometimes because we feel like, well, how did I miss this? How did I, I prayed about it, and uh, I felt led to do this, and yet you know, he, here I am, but I think we have to recognize that the Lord still sees us and knows us. He's not forgotten you. He's not abandoned you. He's not frustrated uh, that his plan did not go through. I think that's one thing that you have to to recognize and realize. Uh, A man said some years ago to me about somebody who was passionately trying to get into ministry. And he said, uh, he said, you know, if the God of heaven and earth wants you in ministry, you know, there's nothing's going to stop him from doing what he has determined to do, right? Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. That's, God, that's right. God, God will bring that about. So that's, that's right. one uh, truth. Um, 
there's a verse Brian and I were talking about before uh, we started here in Proverbs 18, where it talks about that a man's gifts make room for him, opens doors uh, for him. And, you know, think that again, if this is something God has not, that if he has called us and he has equipped us and he's equipped us and he's gifted us. And if those gifts are in us, eventually uh, there will be some way in which those gifts will be seen and uh, that uh, if we have those gifts, opportunities will be given. And then, Brian, I'm also thinking about what Paul says in uh, Romans 12 when he talks about that we need to think soberly, uh, everyone, about the gift that has been given to us. Uh, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but to think soberly uh, and according to the gift given to us, then, then minister with that gift. Uh, and it may be, I think what Paul is recognizing is that a person may think that they have a gift, they may think that they have an ability, and they may be convinced of that in their own mind. Uh, and I don't want to make light of that, uh, you know, but that can be a very uh, rude awakening, perhaps, to, to recognize that what you thought you were gifted in, yep. you're not as gifted in as you as you thought. Yep. And But it doesn't mean God has not gifted you. He's just not gifted you in the way that you thought he had gifted you. Uh, and we need the ability to think soberly in light of that. And we can talk later on about what that, uh, how that's accomplished. Yeah, those are good. One other passage I've, I've thought of is in First uh, Timothy chapter 5 when Paul writes to Timothy and talks about, the in chapter 5, the, the call of a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, the, even several things around that. But one of the things he highlights, just as an as a indirect observation, is he highlights the fact that there are elders, there are pastors, elders. Right. Uh, some are to be set aside uh, for preaching and teaching in particular, right. and it implies... That's where he quotes the passage of to not muzzle the ox. Right. So there's this idea of there are certain elders who should be paid for what they do because of the way they specifically serve the church. Is that one it's one of the few places that alludes to an actual occupation of a pastor elder mm. to get actually compensated right. for that work. So I think that needs to be highlighted because there just because you're not a paid staff person at a church doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't have a meaningful ministry, but right. that's but so we just want to. There is that distinction given in right. the New Testament. All right, so here's kind of two ways I think I want two places I want to go with this, Jim, to to try to uh, attack this. The first is just let's. I think we should go spend some time going back and forth. What are some scenarios that would create a difficult situation for someone to get hired in a church? And so we can go back and forth on that. But then after that. I then want to talk about, okay, so you are having trouble finding a church position. Right. What do I do in the meantime? Like, right. what, what am I supposed to do uh, with this ministry calling and gift and all those kind of things? So let's do the two things I want to cover today, all right? So let's first go back to, let's go back and forth, uh, and let's kind of go back and forth. One of us uh, just mentioned one. What's something you would throw out there, Jim, that could be a factor in someone, so let's maybe put up a couple scenarios. So you got a, a 30-year-old seminary student, just graduated from seminary, right. wants to be, be a pastor, uh, starts doing interviews and looking at church jobs and all those kinds of things. He's never been a pastor before. He's never been on staff at a church before, you know, and he's looking for the first time. I, I run into a lot of that at the, at the seminary. But then you got maybe a second career guy who right. is 45 years old, 50 years old, mm. and maybe retires from the military or has had a career in the past and went to seminary and now wants to be a pastor, but having a hard time finding a job. So there's a couple common scenarios, I would say, that I see that are quite that are 
quite common. Uh, what's one thing you would say we need to throw out there? This could be causing some of the some of the struggle. Wow. Well, uh, just pick one. Okay, just pick one. All right. Uh, so, I mean, I'm tempted to want to go back to the past, you know, and that is to say, you know, how did you get there? How did you arrive at this conclusion? And, and you know, was there any evaluation? Did you seek any counsel? Um, were there uh, honest pastors uh, and, and, a, and a good church background that helped you? You know, it may be that that just wasn't there, you know, at the start. But let's, let's start with where you are. Uh, are you in a are you in a in a um, ecclesiastical situation in a church situation where you have some opportunities to have had your gifts and abilities your your graces evaluated by your current leadership and your current congregation uh, and if they don't or if they are not encouraging in regard to uh, your gifts and abilities, if they have not offered any opportunities to teach or to preach and to have some time in which that teaching or preaching could be evaluated, uh, then I think you're starting at a real deficit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good, and I think, Jim, I think that's exactly the place we need to start because uh, there is, I think we would work on the assumption, you and I both have this conviction that nobody should pursue the minist- occupational ministry without Others in your life helping you sort through that call. Right. Uh, other pastors, a, a local church that invests in you, and like you said, has uh, has affirmed your gifts, has trained you in some way in the local church. So we, we just put our card. We'll both put our cards on the table. That's a conviction we have. Uh, and so the 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 first thing we need to realize with this is you shouldn't be doing this by yourself. Mm-hmm. But um, we realize that there's some that don't have that, and so. Um, we, we want to make sure that that's the starting point here, though, because a lot of times, a lot of the things that causes the problems that helps that makes you not get hired, a lot of times gets worked out in the midst of uh, of those. Uh, they get worked out in the training and the mentoring and all yeah. the things that you experience in a church. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that first, because I think that is a really important piece to this. I meet a lot of guys at seminary who, who didn't have that. They just kind of came on their own accord, and, um, and that's something that... Um, needs to be put out there. I'll put another one out there, though, Jim. I think that uh, a, a lot of guys, um, they misjudge their gifting. Mm-hmm. So they uh, oftentimes, you know, they they feel like they're gifted in certain ways, and they're maybe not, they, they just miss their gifting. They're not aware that maybe they're not as gifted in certain areas as they thought. Uh, which, and, and there's two problems with that. Right. One is you just don't, you just aren't able to be self-aware enough to know where you're strong and when you're weak. But an implication of that, if you do not know you're, you're weak in this area, you're not going to push yourself to grow in that area. Right. So if you've got somebody who's like, I am, I am an outstanding preacher and thinks that about themselves, right. but they're not. They're barely an average preacher. And then they go preach in, at a church to, in their interview and they're like, yeah, well, you know, we're 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 going to move on to some other people, and they're bewildered by that. I watch that quite often. So I think you have to be, you have to accurately assess your own gifts to the best of your ability, which right. is why you need other right. people That's in right. your yeah, life. It goes back to Romans twelve to, to be right. able to assess that. So. Yeah, and and let's because I think Brian, I think this is a really important issue. You know, the the here's he, this is a scenario that I think both of us would have a hard time imagining. Let's say, guys, he is a, that there is a a really gifted, a really gifted preacher, uh, 
really gifted preachers are not a dime a dozen. You know, they're, they're, they are, they are, that's a fairly rare commodity. If there's a man out there that can handle the word of God well, who is a man of integrity, who is a man of doctrinal conviction, and who is a man of humility who loves people, and he is not in the ministry and wants to be in the ministry, and he's not, you'd really have to ask, what's go- you know, something has to be happening, something else is going on, or God is saying something to him very clearly by his providence, mm-hmm. and that is either this is not what I want you to do, or this is not where I want you to do it, or this is not in my time. Uh, men who have those gifts are going to have opportunities. Uh, there are not. There, there's not out there somewhere uh, in America the world's greatest baseball player uh, who's a janitor somewhere. And you know, no. If, if he's the greatest baseball player and the greatest hitter of all time. He's going to be in the minors and then work his way up into the majors, and we're all going to know his name. Yeah. You have those gifts. Those gifts are going to be seen. They're not going to be you know, under a bushel unless somehow you have this and you've just never decided, you've just never opened your mouth. Yeah. But again, we're talking about somebody who aspires to it, somebody who is looking for it. They've been given an opportunity to showcase you know, what gifts or ability they have. Um, and so it may be that there are issues other than his pulpit gift. It may be that he is uh, obnoxious in his personality. He may be grating in the way that he deals with people. Uh, uh, he may be uh, ill-tempered. Uh, you know, there may be something else in there that you have to look at because in order to be a pastor, it's not just it's not just pulpit oratory it, it is godliness and graces on top of that i'm glad you brought that one up because i think that's a big one in regard to what i see guys have trouble when they try to go interview at a church i you know but i feel like i have to preface this but like I, i'm a, i think seminary is really important and guys should go to seminary mm-hmm. to train for the ministry it's amazing to me how shocked they are when they interview at churches and churches don't seem to give a rip what their grade was in Greek class. <laughs> but they actually want to know if they can connect with you on some relational level. Right. That's actually what... Like, they when, they, when they're interviewing you, does, does this guy feel like a guy who could love me well as a pastor? Yeah. And a lot of guys don't put a lot of stock in that relational piece. Uh, instead, they they rely on some of these other things they they feel are important to the best of their ability. And... You know, in, in their defense, when you go do a, a, a massive theological degree, you're being told this is really important. And it is important, right. but it's an important piece to the to the whole. And if you go through right. all of seminary and you are not, again, you're not being trained in a church, you're not doing real ministry in a church, right. uh, then that's where it usually can be yeah. jolting. It's like, why aren't the people hiring? Yeah. And Brian, it has to be said as clearly and, and as forcefully as we can say it, it a seminary degree is is not the key that opens a door to pastoral ministry. It doesn't. That's not yep. what makes you yep. qualified. It doesn't qualify you. The it, fact that you've been it's to important, seminary, but it's not doesn't qualify. But, right, you. exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't qualify. There yeah. are men in ministry. I, I I know two guys in this room without those degrees uh, yeah. who have been in pastoral ministry, uh, but. It doesn't. I think that's what people sometimes think. I've got this, and now it doesn't happen in any profession. You engineers just because you went to MIT and and and, and passed your class doesn't mean you're going to get an. Yeah, it, that maybe is a more likely scenario that you would get a job. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that you will. And I think that guys are shocked and surprised. I think particularly younger guys who may think that, oh, I've done this and now I've got the degree and like, well, what's happening and why yep. isn't the, the door uh, open to me? And I think, again, they that the the variety of things at a church, and again, depends on the church, what's a church looking for? That's another thing. The fact that you may not match up a with, good one. With, yeah. with one group of churches does not mean that you would not be a good fit somewhere else. Right. Uh, some churches have an idea of what they think their church should be. Uh, there are churches that would not hire me, and there are churches that wouldn't hire you because we are not, we don't have, churches have some, sometimes some unbiblical qualifications of, well, you need to have this degree, or you need to have a CEO mentality, or you need to be able to be an entrepreneur and this or that. And you're like, look, I, I can preach the word, and I can love people, and I can shepherd them. Yeah. Yep, that's what I'm called to do, and but that's not necessarily what a church wants. So. Yeah, that's a good one. That sometimes that there's it's nothing even against you or against your. It's just not a fit. Mm. So which is why don't get turned down by one church and think it's mm. all over. Let me throw another one out there. Uh, I watch a lot of guys who have trouble getting hired at churches because they have too narrow a window of the kind of church they'll work at and where they would work at. So. Yeah, you know, for years I've had conversations at different times when guys are ready to go look and they say, okay, my family lives in this state, so I'm right. willing to look at the two surrounding states, right? and that's it, because we need, want to be near our families. Now, nothing wrong with wanting to be near your family, but I tell guys, if you're going to be uber picky about how where you're willing to go, or if the church has to be like this size, it has to have this, this, and this in it, and it has to have this in it, or I don't even want to talk to them. You know, it it all of a sudden you have just narrowed the even options you have to right. consider, and so I watch a lot of guys have trouble finding churches when they're they're uh, where they're willing to go. They narrow so much that they just don't have a lot of good options. And I've watched guys for years sit back and not bend on those things, and they never get hired somewhere. And eventually, mm. they'll come back to me and ask me what's going on, and I'll say, "Look, I." I think your window's too narrow. Right. Well, it's it's. I end up saying this more than you would think. Look, I think you're gifted for ministry. I think you're a good guy. I think you'll be a great pastor. But like, you don't have any ministry experience. You you know you've never been a pastor before. Like the healthy church you want to go to doesn't want to hire you. Hmm. So you're probably going to have to go to a harder place, hmm. uh, a more unhealthy situation. That's just that's just the way it is. The the healthy churches everybody wants to go to the the young guys, the new guys, they usually don't get to go to those particular places. So maybe one more for you, Jim. What what's another hindrance maybe that you would see? Well, uh, again, Brian, I'm going to get back to you know this this matter of uh, of of evaluation of your of yourself, of your gifts, of your temperament. I think that's a, an issue that you need to be able to to think through. Am I so when I'm looking at guys, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with this: uh, I've not had a lot of seminary guys at our church, but but it but it's been more than a few of seminary and Bible college guys. And, and probably the number one conversation I have with young guys who want to be in ministry uh, is this issue of their their attitude or life or interaction with regular sheep. Um, they enjoy being with one another. They enjoy being with. They enjoy theological conversation. They love theological controversy and you know, right. books and. Right. Uh, but they, 
walk past herding sheep. They uh, they show very little interest in yeah. wanting to be with anybody, nurture anybody, uh, you know, learn learn from anybody in that. And that's going to matter. You know, the the eventually, if they're going to be going to a uh, a place for more than a weekend, more than a trial sermon, uh, if it becomes evident, you know, you may be gifted. You you may have the ability to to uh, to articulate truth well, uh, but you are not uh, you're not able to to love or care or care for people. And I I have talked in the past, Brian, about something that I have witnessed, and that is that pastors who really love their people uh, are considered better preachers. Uh, that That is, their congregation listens to them as though they're a better preacher than they are. Yep. But if you're in a congregation and you don't care about the people, there's no such thing as an objective ability to teach and preach. Their ears uh, and their evaluation of you will will differ on the basis of how much they believe that you love them or care for them. That is an excellent point. And I tell other guys this, how how is it that a guy who's got strong preaching gifts but an abrasive personality gets fired in two years, but the, but the borderline heretic who's really warm has a 30-year ministry in the same place. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't want to call him. I, I'd say the, the, the borderline boring preacher. <laughs> fair enough. I, I, I want to use that one rather than the borderline heretic. Well, well, but, you know, fair enough. But, but you may, but may, I understand what you're the saying. Point, the point is, is that there, there is something, there, there's something you have to recognize about personality and uh, the way people experience you. And I would just urge people who, guys that are, that are struggling with, why, you know, a lot of times just like we've been talking about, it might not be the fit. It might not be the circumstances that are right. But I think you got to evaluate how are people experiencing you uh, in a you know in in an interaction. And by the way, we need to add this before we move on. That I'll say this, Jim, because I'm in these circles a lot. Most I say most most pastoral search teams um, do not know really what they're doing. So I, I want to put that out there as a, if you haven't been hired, it's very likely you've experienced a group of people. Here's, I describe pastoral search teams are typically wounded sheep looking for their next shepherd. Right. And so they just, they're not trained. They don't know how to, they're doing the best they can. But I think you need to realize that too. Sometimes if you don't get hired, it may not have anything to do with you. It might have to do with the people who are trying to sort through who in the world we want is our next pastor, and we just are trying. We're, we're kind of trying to figure out how to do this. Brian, do you think I'm going to I'm going to throw one more thing in there real quickly? It is an issue of fit, and what I mean by that is both a fit with the current leadership team, uh, and even a compatibility with the congregation. So let me just talk about these real quickly here. Uh, one of the things we're talking about in our own eldership, when you're looking, so we have four elders in our church or four pastors in our church, and, and we have a fairly good understanding of what Charlie's good at this, John's good at this, Derek's good at yep. this, Jim's good at this. And as we are looking at an aging eldership, my uh, Charlie and myself and John are in our 60s and 70s, uh, Derek's in his uh, mid-30s, and we're thinking about what the future, what, what are things going to look like in a few years from now? And so we're looking at, so if somebody came in and said, hey, I'm a, I, you know, I think, well, uh, I'd like to join your eldership. Uh, I, have a really, a, I have a really strong preaching gift. You say, well, we got two preachers here, and, and you know, we, uh, of the uh, 100 opportunities in a given year for public ministry, you know, we already have 
those things are fairly well settled, but we do need somebody that can do pastoral care, that can do counseling, premarital counseling, somebody available uh, on that. And so what we, what we may be looking for, so like a baseball team during the draft, they're like, well, they're not looking for a shortstop, but they're looking for a pitcher, you know, and, and so that, that issue of, uh, but then also, do you think, Brian, there may be something of uh, this issue of fit, uh, almost cultural fit, uh, where you have, let's say you have a, uh, you have a, a down home country boy, but every church he's looking at churches in New York city, or he's looking at churches and, uh, you know, someplace where uh, he'd be a far better fit in Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, Georgia. Do you understand what I'm getting at with that? I, I, I do. I think, uh, and, and he's looking in the wrong places. He 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 would communicate in a in a certain environment. And again, maybe on the other hand, you know, he's looking in rural churches. And you know, you take a guy like Tim Keller, you know, who succeeded in New York City, but you know, he was in a rural Virginia church, yep. you know, for some years and had to learn to adapt in both of those circumstances and situations. Not everybody's able to do that sort of a thing. I think that Jonah gets sent to Nineveh, and I think that I mean, like, I think God can send people wherever He wants to send them, whether mm. they fit or not. So I, I think we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. But you make a great point, and I think it's very valid. I think there are cultural issues that are in play here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you do have to consider those things. I think that turns back to the self-awareness piece we're talking about. Yeah. You know, who are you? Where? How do you come off? You know, how well do you fit culturally in this church? I don't think those are the deal breakers, but I do think those are things. You bring up a valid point. I think it matters. So, all right, we need to turn this conversation, last couple minutes, last few minutes on... How, do, how would we encourage somebody who's struggling to find a church, feels a call in a ministry, wants to be helpful, wants to exercise this call, but can't find anybody to hire him to do that in a, in a church right. situation? What does he do in the meantime? Right. right. So let's go back and forth. Let's just throw some practical things out there. Hey, in the meantime, you make sure you're doing this. Yeah, I would say in the meantime, uh, invest in your local church, uh, look for opportunities to serve in ways that may not be glamorous, but that would keep your tools and your gifts sharp, such as uh, so that if they need, like for we, we need somebody to go to a, every week uh, to the homeless shelter. We need somebody every Friday to yep. go to the Bullock County Jail. Great example. Uh, we need yep. somebody to go out on Saturdays with public evangelism. You know, and, and if and if somebody says, "No, I just want, I just want a pastor. I'm not willing to. I don't want to do any of those kinds yeah. of things." I, which that's a flag already, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. I mean, we should get to that too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's that, a different that, podcast, right, isn't right, it? Right. Okay, so that's a great one. Uh, I would throw out. Um, and I think you may just gave some, I think there's some specific things you can think of, but yeah, it's serving, serving your local church, using your ministry gifting to do that. So one of the things I watch, just to reiterate what you said, the, you know, I had uh, most of my lay elders through the years eventually became occupational pastors, yeah. but they served as lay elders for years while waiting right. to, to pursue that. And so, yeah, you should definitely be finding a way to engage in your own calling uh, in, in your, in your local church. Uh, but here's a, a specific round that go find if you're if you want to minister to people, you feel a pastoral call, go to a funeral home and offer your services to them. Say, hey, I, I'm a I'm a whether I'm a seminary student or I'm a member of this church down the road, and I'm but I'm training to be a pastor. And if you ever need anybody to come do a funeral for a family that doesn't have a pastor, here's my number. Would you would you call me out and 
have have your pastor or have your elders or somebody to be able to say, Here, here's a reference who would affirm that this is something that they think it would be a good idea for me to do. But, mm. you know, whether it's a funeral home, uh, g- there's always opportunities to preach in nursing homes. Always. Right. Like, if you want to preach, I have a, there's a, there's a, a, a friend of mine who's, got her, who's a member of our church for years, a uh, single guy in his late 30s, and this guy has gone to nursing homes to preach for years, and I've loved watching him do that. So there's always a place to mm-hmm. go preach and to, to minister. So serve in your local church, but look outside your church to places yeah. that need somebody to come serve in those ways and go and go and serve and make yourself useful. So what's another one for you? Uh if you have been able to, with the help of others and by a prayerful self-examination, determine where you are lacking, uh, you know, so I use the tennis analogy, you know, if you need to work on your backhand, then work on your backhand. And that is, uh, are there ways, if, 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 you're, if it is really your preaching gift, are there ways that you can improve your preaching gift? Uh, ask, look for ways, read books, listen to good preaching. Uh, interact with others. Uh, ask your pastor if, if you can have even like somebody did yesterday, did a, a Saturday, a Sunday afternoon preaching to just a few people, but it's able to be recorded and, and listened to and evaluated. Uh, look for some way to improve. If your problem is, if you have a people problem, look to improve. If you have an obnoxious problem, uh, deal with the issues of your heart, uh, and, and if the Lord is, is pleased to grant you success by the Spirit and putting those things to death, then maybe a door is going to finally be open for you. That's a good one. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out um, engage in widow care in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, uh, and you know me well, you know this is a big deal to me. I think caring for widows is one of the core pieces to being a pastor mm-hmm. because it's one of the few groups of people that are highlighted in the New Testament that are supposed to be cared for in a certain mm-hmm. way. And so if you're a member of a church, go ask your elders for the list of widows and widowers mm-hmm. in your church and go go visit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, you know, if you have family members that are, are widows, go see the widow, go mm-hmm. visit the widows. It, go find ways, even in your church or outside your church, but go do, care for widows. If, if a guy says he wants to be a pastor of a church and... I cannot stir him to go and prioritize going and caring for widows. I'm concerned for him because this is part of the core of caring for the, the least of these, the most hurtful, hurting, the vulnerable. Uh, and and so I think finding ways to go get engaged. So uh, there's guys here in town that go to churches and they're never going to preach in that pulpit. It's just the way it is in Louisville, Kentucky, especially guys in a bigger church or whatever it is. And they'll come to me frustrated like, I'm not getting a chance to preach. I'm not getting a chance to do this or that. And they're like, I'm trying to train. I want to train for the ministry. And I'll say, go ask your elders for a list of the members. Pray for the members in a systematic way through that mm. list. And then go visit the widows. And if you just do those two things, you are doing the daily work of a pastor, whether yeah, you know it or not. Good. So maybe one last one for you, Jim. Well, I think, Brian, we have to ask the question, when do you, is, is there a time that you relinquish your dream uh, and and recognize that this is a door that uh, you have to at least live as though God may yet open a door, but you have to live as though the door is closed, mm-hmm. and the, and 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 to do so with contentment, and to do so with a sense that you ask God to guide you, and He guided you, He guided you in a place you didn't want to go. 
but he guided you. He answered your prayer. He did answer your prayer. He said, no, that's an answer to prayer. Yeah. Uh, and at some point to be able to sweetly r- relinquish that and be able to give yourself wholeheartedly uh, to some employment so you can take care of your family and to do that and to go about with a sense of, of joy in your church, not feeling like a failure, not feeling like uh, the church let you down, not feeling like God let you down, but to recognize that the Lord closed that door for you, uh, em- embrace another calling, serve in your church, and be the best churchman you can be. That's a good word, man. I think that's a good word to kind of wrap things on, Jim. And, and you know, I, I just I'm wanting share with guys if you're discouraged by just the lack of of success in this area trying to find a church uh, just to remember that peace and joy comes from knowing your identities in Christ mm-hmm. that's who you are right. Jesus is all we need I I was I have to tell that to myself and others in ministry that ministry doesn't doesn't change that at all so I, my final word was just just be mindful of where you're finding your hope and your joy and your contentment. Um, this is certainly disappointing and discouraging and can be really just jolting to the soul. I've watched some guys lose their identity over the rejections mm. over their church, finding a church. But that's that all of a sudden becomes not about the ministry calling or those positions. That's that's about that's between you and Jesus at that point. Yeah. So yep. my final word is just make sure you don't lose yourself or your identity and that you have all you need for contentment and peace and joy in this world. And there is a way for you to serve Jesus in this world, even if it's not in the ministry. So, um, Jim, will you take a minute and just pray for guys who are struggling in this way? Yeah. Our Father, we thank you for the reality revealed in your word, that you know us and care for us, that you see us. You know the hairs on our head. You you know our every anxious thought far off. You know our rising up, our our sitting down, Lord. So you are not... uh, ill-informed of our desires or you're not ill-informed of our uh, passions and our disappointments and our confusion. Uh, And Father, we don't know all that you're doing. We don't know fully when you're saying wait and we're not sure when you're saying not now or not here or at times not ever. And Lord, pray that you would give to your your children uh, help and wisdom and hearing uh, and in submitting to your will. That's our ultimate desire. Your son taught us to pray. Your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.